This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a parent, grandparent, aunt, or uncle, you have got to learn to play some games. You have to learn to play games. From the very beginning until they reach, I don't know what age, there's always games to play. And of course, one of the first ones that you have to become very proficient at is peekaboo. Watch this grandma as she plays peekaboo. sure who was getting more fun out of that, Um, but uh, Grandma seemed to enjoy it. Every once in a while, though, if you're not a good peekaboo player, things can go wrong. Here's a a video from a movie clip called Ice Age. Some of you will remember this. Just watch this. This is what happens when it goes wrong. There he is. Where's the baby? There he is. That's not a good peekaboo player. And then, in very odd cases, this doesn't happen often, but you have to be careful. Watch this one just for a moment. Where's the baby? There's the baby. Where's the baby? There's the baby. Where's the baby? Here's the. You're a really bad peekaboo player when you lose the baby. That's not a good thing to happen. We have been uh, talking throughout December about Christmas with family. And we've been trying to look at some of the people that are involved in the Christmas story, not just as story figures, but as real people, as real family. As your family gathers together, we all are real people. We bring our real problems and real situations and all the things that we talk about. Well, Christmas, the first Christmas, the birth of Christ, 
involved real people with real family, and we've been looking at, at the various events. And one of the greatest events that happened at the birth of Christ has to be the story of the shepherds uh, out watching their flocks in the middle of the night when suddenly a great host of angels is around them, giving them great news. And um, one of the, of course, the, the news was that uh, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord, and you can see him. But it's almost a little bit, as I, as I read the scripture again, it's almost a little bit like a, a weird episode of Survivor because basically the angel says there's a reward for you, but you got to go find it. you got to go find the baby. And so it says, you shall find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I don't have this in my notes, but I, I did think of it. You know, that, that's a little weird scene, honestly. Not, not wrapped in a nice soft blanket, but in strips of cloth. That's not normal. And it's not normal to find the baby in the feeding trough. So it's a little unusual. This is what you're looking for. You're looking for an unusual baby in dressed in unusual clothes, lying in an unusual bed, but you are going to find it. And when you do, that will be the Savior. And so, of course, they go and look for the baby, and they find the baby, and they spend some time with the baby, but ultimately, they have to leave. They have to go back to the sheep. That's always the way it is. Uh, sometimes it would be great to spend time with God. I had people, I've had people over the years say to me, Pastor, I love coming to church Sunday morning. I wish I could stay here all week long. Well, that's not possible. It's not possible for you. It's not possible for any of us. You've got to go back into the real world. And eventually, as much as, the, as, much as these shepherds enjoyed, I'm sure, getting away from the sheep a little bit, eventually they had to go back. And this is what the Bible, again, says to you. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. So the shepherds go back and they are telling everybody what they've just heard and what they've seen. What do you think they told them? What did they actually see? Is that such big news? A baby in a manger? It's a little odd. But is that really big news? There's lots of babies born. Lots of babies born into poverty. Lots of babies born into very sad situations. Is that really big news? What did they actually see? What were they telling everybody about? It says they went everywhere telling people what they had heard and what they had seen. And so today I just want to ask you the question, what do you think you would have seen that night when you went to the shepherd? What would you have seen uh, last week, if you were in church last week, we talked about a man by the name of Simeon who was in the temple when they brought Christ in. And uh, most people just saw a young family with a, a little baby and they were going to do the religious rituals of the day. That's all most people saw. But the Bible says Simeon prayed and he said, I have seen the salvation of God. You see, he saw something that other people didn't see. You know it's possible for us to look at the same thing and see completely different things? So what would you have seen that night when you went in to see the baby in the shepherd 
with, or in the, in the manger with strips of cloth? What would you have seen? Well, here's a few things I think they might have seen and they might have talked about. Bear with me. We'll go through these quickly, but here's a few things I think they would have seen. I think, number one, they would have seen innocence. Have you seen anything as pure and innocent as a baby? I mean, put a baby in a room and um, it's unaffected by whatever drama's going on. It has no, it has no uh, 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 say in any argument that be, might be taking place. It really doesn't care about the politics of the day. It's pure and innocent. And I'm sure that's what they saw a little bit. The scripture says that later on, Jesus, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says that he had been tempted in every way just as we are, and yet he did not sin. You see, when you look at Christ, be it as the baby in the manger or later on in his life, you see innocence. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, as Paul recalls the story to the Corinthian church, he says, for our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This one who knew no sin became sin for us. And so when you look at Christ before the cross, you see innocence, sinlessness, purity. I think second thing I think you might have seen if you looked at Jesus that day would be humility. Humility. There's no pride in a baby. There's nothing to be proud about. Um in describing Jesus' journey from heaven to earth, the Bible says that he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. You see, when God looks at Jesus and describes the event of Christ coming to earth, he says it was a picture of humility. It's a picture of a man, of God, becoming a man like us, humbling himself. He's not around with a great agenda. He's not looking for the praise of anybody. He's here to come in humility. And he says, actually, at the start of that passage in Philippians, he says, our mind should be the same mind as Jesus, who humbled himself, who came to serve people, in fact, the scripture says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. You would have seen humility, true humility. I think another thing you would have seen as you looked that day is a picture of obedience. Jesus didn't come on his own. He didn't come just because he wanted to. He came because he was directed to by his Father. He says... This is what someone who's obedient to God looks like. The same scriptures we read earlier, he says he became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus followed God's instructions. He followed God's word. He listened to what God had to say. And he's a picture to us of obedience. Another thing that I believe we see when we look at Christ, when we look at this baby is a picture of dependence, not independence. I'll do it my way. I'll go my way. I'll do my thing. I have all this power. I'm going to do what I want to do. Actually, that's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible says that when Jesus came, he was dependent completely on God, on the Father. 
He says in John chapter 5 and verse 30, by myself, I can do nothing. Wouldn't that be good for us to say once in a while? Because we're so confident in our abilities. We're so confident. I've met people who are so confident in what they can do. But we realize that without him, we can't do anything. In fact, in the book of Acts, the apostle says, in him we live and move and have our being. In other words, you don't even exist without him. In him is your entire being. And so when we look at Jesus, we see a picture of someone who's learned to be dependent on God, on the voice of God, on the leading of God's spirit. It says in John chapter 5, in the same chapter we just read, it says Jesus gave them this answer, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do whatever he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. You don't get to do what you want to do. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you now can live independently of anybody else. You just get to do whatever you want to do. No, that's not what the Bible says. Jesus didn't even do that. Jesus said, I don't get to do what I want to do. I do what the Father tells me to do. I, I, do what the, I see the Father doing. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to connect with what God's doing. We see a picture of dependence. Somebody who relies on others. You can't make it by your own, on your own. Every once in a while in church, I, I know whether it's Teresa or somebody else, somebody asks somebody to do something, and somebody will respond in this way. They say, well, I couldn't do that. You know, that's actually the kind of people we're looking for. We're actually looking people for people who can't do anything. And they'll just have to learn to rely on God. Because when you rely on God, well, you can do anything. But the person who thinks they can do it all, in reality, they can't do much. We're really looking for people who would be honest enough to say, I can't do that. But with God's help, I'll try. With God's help, I'll step out. Whether it's a Sunday school teaching, whether it's leading worship or playing an instrument or whatever else it could be, ushering or whatever else it could be, I can't do that. But with God's help, I can do that. We've got to learn to become dependent on God and understand that there are many things we can't do. Another thing I believe that we would see when we looked that day into the manger, when we saw Jesus, we have to say we see love. We see God's love being made manifest. This is what love really looks like. As a pastor, I've, I've sat down with many people, couples, and I've stood with them at altars where they profess their undying love to one another, and then a few years later, sit in an office and say, I don't love him. I don't love her. I don't want anything to do with her. And it's always, sometimes I wonder if we really understand what true love is. I wonder. I just, I'm just wondering. But when we look at Jesus, we see what true love is. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, See what great love the Father has lavished on us? 
great love God has lavished on us, a giving, um, caring, um, practical type of love that, that's unconditional. It's not conditioned on whether you love me or not. God's still going to love us in return. He's always going to love us. So is it any wonder that the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Follow God's example and follow in the way of love, just as Christ did. Just as he gave himself, that's who we're to look to as our example, as our guide. Uh, we see innocence. We see obedience. We see dependence. We see humility. We see love. But there's one thing that maybe you don't see. and Perhaps it's the most important thing of all. It's the one thing we tend to overlook when we look at Christ. Look closely for just a moment. Just take a moment in your mind's eye and look closely into Christ. Look into his face if you can. If you can picture what it might look like. What do you see? Look into his eyes for just a second. What do you see? You know what we often overlook? We fail to see ourselves. We fail to see us. You see, the Bible says in Galatians that we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Oh, we may not see ourselves perfectly reflected in the face of Christ. We may not see ourselves like Jesus is completely right now. But that's where we're headed. That's what God's doing in us. The scripture says as we look at Jesus, we are in the process of becoming like him. Day by day by day. You know, we're not just putting in time here. We're not just going through our days and just putting in uh, all the things. I mean, we do so many things that's represented in a congregation like this. We're not just putting in time every day, whether, whether it's on our job or a hobby or whatever. We're not just putting in time. Realities are, Bible says, God says we're becoming like Jesus every day. The things that you go through, the challenges that you face, the problems that you face, the great joys you experience, all are shaping you to be like Jesus. So that one day when we look at him, we will be like him. You see, that's what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we will see him as he is. We'll see him as he is. And the transformation will be completed. Like Christ. That's what God's desire is for us. Oh, please. Please don't just see a baby in a manger. Please don't just... I, I know it's all real. 
I know there was some straw, and I know there's swaddling clothes, and I know, you know, there's dirty diapers, and all the stuff we talk about to make Christ human, but oh, this baby was not like any other baby. He was a picture of innocence. He was a picture of humility. He was a picture to us of what it means to be obedient to the Father. He was a picture of, to us of what it means to be dependent on God, to be led by God's Spirit. He's a picture to us of what true love is. And if we're honest and we look really close, he's actually a picture of what one day we'll be like. He's a picture of the final process, the final product. He's a picture of the destination where you're headed. I don't know about you, but every once in a while, of course, now with Google and all the stuff that we do, when, whenever you travel someplace, you, you Google where you're going to be and where you're going to stay, perhaps. I don't know if it's ever happened to you where you Google some hotel and you look at the pictures and you think to yourself, that looks like a really nice place. That is a fantastic-looking place. We're going to have fun there. And then you get there, and it's not at all like what the picture was. And you kind of wonder, what happened between the picture and the reality? Sometimes, sometimes, if we're honest, maybe more often, people look at us as followers of Jesus, Christ-like people, and they say, the picture is not quite like the reality. And I get that. We're all like that. None of us are Christ-like in every aspect of our lives. But that is the final picture. That's the final destination. That's where we're headed. I, Elaine and I went to Hawaii earlier this year, and uh, I remember clearly... The guy, was, it was a points thing, and he was telling us how wonderful it was going to be, and it was a great place, and it was one of their better properties and all this stuff he was telling us. And we got there, and it was not at all, like, not at all, mold in the bathroom. It was just like, and if it wasn't for the fact that we were, like, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, um, we would have gone someplace else. But where do you go when that's it for the week? picture was not the same as reality. But you know, um, Jesus is the real deal. And when we look at him, that's what our future looks like. That's what God's doing in us. And so I encourage you, just as the shepherds were encouraged to go find the baby, Scripture says in Jeremiah, you shall seek me and you shall find me if you search for me with all your heart. In other words, the Scripture says if you want to have a relationship with God, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to put some effort in. You're going to have to go after him. He'll be there waiting, but you have to turn to him, look to him. If you've not done that this Christmas season, I pray that this Christmas time will be a time when you turn your heart to the Lord and you find Jesus. I tell this story as a memorial because it meant so much to me. But years ago, uh, I remember the Christmas day sitting at my grandma's house, as we always did every year. 
uh, waiting for the Christmas dinner. I was maybe 10, 11, old enough to be aware of what was going on, but not really old enough to care what was going on. I just wanted to eat turkey, leg. That was it. I remember that very clearly. And I remember that particular day before my dad was asked to say the blessing at the meal, he turned to my uncle. His name was Jerry. And he said, Jerry, are you in a right relationship with God? And for years, we knew that Jerry never went to church. He never had anything to do with God. He'd been brought up in a, in a Catholic church, but he never went to church and never talked at all about God. And I'm sitting there kind of like waiting, counting the minutes down, pray and eat. I mean, that's, that should be the way it's always go. Pray and eat. But he wanted to talk and then pray and then eat. In my little 10-year-old mind, I was like saying, let's hurry this up. Let's... Let's get this thing going. Jerry, are you in a right relationship with God? And for the first time that I knew, Jerry said, no, I'm not. But I'm ready today to make that decision. And so if you ask me what my most memorable gift was, I'll probably tell you a bike. I'll probably tell you something else. But you ask me what my most memorable Christmas was, It was the day my Uncle Jerry gave his heart to Jesus Christ on Jesus' birthday. I want the same for you. If you don't know Jesus, let this be a day when you say yes. Find Jesus. Let Jesus find you. And uh, be for you the road map, the, uh, the roadway to lead you into his presence for all eternity. We're going to sing a song. Uh, It's not a Christmas song. Um, Shirley's going to come and play an old song. We've we've sung a lot. It just says, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. Just as the shepherds received news that day that they could see the Savior, they had to make some effort to go and see. I've shared with you the good news of Jesus Christ, that Christ dies for our sins, that he was obedient to the Father so that we might have eternal life. Sometimes we have to pray, God, open my eyes to help me see it, really see it. And uh, help me not get caught up with the lights and the decorations and all the stuff, the trappings of Christmas. But help me to see the Christ of Christmas. Help me find the shepherd, or find find the baby in the manger. Would you stand with me and sing this old song? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord.